but it has um, really covers a whole range of activities. And the, the thesis behind it was that um, as we're looking ahead in a rural, as, as you're well aware, it's had a lot of declines and stuff over the years, population declines, and for a lot of reasons that I think we all know. But um, it seems to us that with the um, pandemic and various things that have been happening, that there's a couple of things that are, are occurring. One of them is um, with telecommunications and the stuff that we're using right now, uh, we now have opportunities, many more opportunities for people to live in places that they would kind of like to live and couldn't in the past because they had to go to work every day. And the um, the situation now, and this is debatable as to how what's going to happen in, in the next few years, you know, whether companies are going to call people back to work at, in the office and various things. But but there's no question, I, I don't think that um, there's going to be a segment of the population that's going to continue to work not in the office every day. They're going to right. work from their home wherever. So that opens the opportunity for, for them to do to live elsewhere. And the um, telecommunication, telecommunications is also opening the door for, like, say, health services. So we now have a situation with remote health or with telehealth where you can have a nurse practitioner sitting in a regional center and monitoring on a daily basis, you know, 20 or 25 patients scattered around the, the area in rural areas, in small towns and things. And they can do with uh, Medicare and other places will reimburse the uh, electronic visits or remote visits. So as a result, you don't have to take a day to drive to some major center and, you know, get your treatment and come back or, or to visit a doctor and come back. So as a result, those kinds of things and the fact that you can now conduct business over the Internet, if you're a consulting service, you can do a lot of that work over the Internet. You can buy things over the Internet. So this has really opened opportunities for re more remote areas that formerly were limited by just distance. It's kind of taken that factor away. And on top of that, Pew and, and a number of foundations, uh, uh, Kellogg, I think, maybe did some work, but Pew particularly, Pew Foundation, has come out with an, several surveys that indicate that a pretty significant number of people, uh, like nearly half, would like to live in more rural areas. Not necessarily the end of the earth, but you know right. they, they want to live in places that they have a cheaper housing, good quality housing, better schools. They have access a lot of cases to natural health or natural uh, recreation. Uh, it's uh, just you know they can be socially involved in the community. And it's just a lot of factors that technology now has allowed allows them to do that. So Chris and my thesis was that um, there's some opportunities. But those opportunities aren't going to just happen. It's a question of we have to help the people figure out what are their opportunities, what are their assets, and then get an action plan to make it work. And so our book basically goes through a bunch of different strategies that have been done across the country. And, and um, you know, just, I mean, just around the United States, the kind of things that have been going on, what some of the requirements will be, some federal changes need to be made terms of policies and various things. Uh, so that's it. I've talked too long, but that's basically what it's about. That's what we like you to do, Norm. That's good. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the fact that you guys have just published this, uh, you've got the pandemic kind of as a factor in some of these chapters. Is that? Yeah, is it's, it, it's all yeah. about that, basically. It's all about the idea that these new opportunities 
We called it um, Rural Areas in Transition, Meeting Challenges and Making Opportunities. And the idea is that you make your own opportunities. You look at your assets, you figure out you know where you can go, you figure out what your strengths are, and then you create the opportunities to make things happen. And you're doing that to meet the challenges that are going to, you know, you've had to face in the past. Chris, was it tough uh, sorting through all the uh, different chapters you guys probably had to look at? No, you know, when you do something like this, you you search the literature. Some of the people made presentations at the last couple of conferences. Uh, And so, you know, you I mean, you get a a pretty good handle over the years of kind of who's doing what. and, And we're. It, with these kinds of things, you try for the, the best of the best. And so most of the people on this um, that have chapters are all nationally known, some from Brookings and a couple from um, the University of Wisconsin, Steve Dellern, uh, Tessa Conroy have done a lot of good stuff. And uh, Don Mackey's got one in there and Don's been around forever on rural. And uh, so, I mean, there's just just a lot of, of good, you know, good people. How about you, you know? Chris? Did you yeah. uh, enjoy sifting through it? Yeah, I mean, what I would add is um, the chapters cover a lot of different sectors. And so that I think that's the challenge of rural development um, is that it's not just one strategy. Uh, even the Midwest is diverse. And so, um, you know, the, the chapters represent, uh, you know, the healthcare sector. There's a, a focus on entrepreneurship. There's a focus, um, you know, on education. And what I would also say is that um, you know, strategies are, are probably, and so we can be empowered to do things, but we probably have to recognize that this is going to happen at different scales. So there's a lot of discussion about what you can do locally, uh, you know, changing the narrative, uh, you know, the glass is half full as opposed to the glass half empty, you know, uh, being aware that rural isn't just agriculture. And to be honest, uh, the you know, you, what we're looking for is diversity, Um in in rural communities to be honest uh sort of from a population diversity but also an economic base and then um you know sort of a coup i would have said in you know one of the authors uh, you know tony pippa he had a a really compelling editorial op-ed piece in the new york times and he's um and, and norm mentioned this you know the idea that we need federal policy uh evolution if you will to address the new reality as well so Working locally, regionally, and also at the at the federal level, I, um, these are all things we need to be looking at. It seems to me that both of you can probably talk to this point that you have a, an annual conference that deals with rural affairs, economic development, and and you your your organization. We should mention the Illinois Institute for Rural Affairs has long been involved in in that very thing. And and uh, you know I and I maybe I'm wrong in this the. The target market might have been rural America at one point, but now it seems to me, and based on just what what Norm started saying, your market now is everybody, because now the people in the cities may want to move, may be able to move to a different place. That's that's a sea change, isn't it? I mean, I guess, ergo the book. I think so. The um... You know, just the old saying of you've seen one rural place, you've seen one rural place. And that's, that's really true. I, I had a conference call this morning with a, a person who's writing an article for Chicago Tribune and on some of the stuff that we're doing. And um, 
he, you know, he I think was struggling with the idea that how do you, how do you look at the the national numbers that always say that rural is going down, but it's going down partly because the prosperous rural areas are now reclassified as urban areas. So that's right. one dimension that's <laughs> uh, that's occurring compared with the more micro level, where for many years, for a lot of reasons, rural areas have lost population and lost population faster than they've lost households because you know one person dies and the other person stays the household stays the same but the number of people goes down and so the it's just a whole it's kind of a confusing issue but the way we see it is these opportunities are going to be really uh, for rural of all types because it really the the telecommunication particularly advances really are um, are sort of overcoming a portion of the distance aspect whether it's shopping or health or work or whatever. It's just a real game changer. We used to hear a lot about uh, the digital divide, uh, urban and rural, and they were talking about telecommunications. Is that still still an issue? Well, it's, it's still an issue in the sense that rural is not up to speed with, with urban, but uh, the state of Illinois, Connect Illinois and various things, they're pumping a lot of money into the, the you know, into improving the internet capacity, and they're doing it in the right way. Namely, they're they're giving money or awarding money to um, groups of people that have an action plan that they want to do. So it's um I think it's it's not just kind of throwing money out there. It's basically you come to us with a game plan that makes sense, and then they help fund it. And to me, that's that's the right way to go. And we're but yes, seeing... there's still a divide, right? We're seeing, uh, obviously, you know, when you mentioned the the, nor- the uh, remote worker, uh, that becomes even more important, though, because, you know, if they're either, well, maybe they're taking classes or they're trying to reach their boss or whatever. Um, if you've got some sketchy service, that's that's going to put a little, uh, you know, that, that, that puts a ne- sort of a negative into the thing. Yeah, but, you know, the reason for that, one of the reasons for that was that it wasn't economical in the sense that um, the going the last mile and all these kind of things, uh, all these issues really, um, you know, was sort of sort of like getting electricity in the 30s or, you know, water right. or whatever. Uh, so, but that's that's kind of changing. But, you know, Chris Carby can speak to this closer than I, because I think he's more associated about, more involved with it. Yeah, just building on what Norm is mentioning, uh, and there's even uh, you know kind of an interesting example in uh, in downstate Illinois of of uh, rural communities again you know and again the theme of the book which is being proactive. Here's Mattoon being proactive about recruiting remote workers, and they they are offering uh, almost twelve thousand uh, dollars for a person. Uh, I think they have to commit for uh, either eighteen months or two years to live in. Uh, Mattoon, and they've had they've had a lot of uh, inquiries, and I think people have actually taken them up on their incentives. Uh, but again, it, it's very dependent on affordable, dependable broadband, right? And it probably doesn't hurt that Mattoon is, uh, you know, you know, close to an interstate, uh, has uh, uh, you know passenger train rails uh, rail service. So, you know, it, as Norm said, you've seen one. If you see one rural community, you've seen one rural community. Uh, sort of extending that, it's not clear that every rural community can do this, right? Amenities matter, 
infrastructure matters. And so that's also then part, part of being proactive, you know, looking at what assets uh, you have, can you bundle them and then market them in a way that will attract people? I, you, know, you, you mentioned, oh, go ahead, Norm. Steve, I was just going to say, Steve, that um, if you look back, this is, you know, show my age, but this is probably 40 years ago, but Ohio, Illinois, not very far from you, a small town, they basically set up a residential TIF and they, they gave tax concessions uh, if you came and built a house and if you sent your kids to the local school, they were going to lose their, afraid they were going to lose their their uh, elementary school because it was in the same building as the high school and the high school was running out of kids. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you moved to town, sent your kids to the school, you could get a certain portion of your property tax back, something like that, after X number of years of living there. So this was, it was a different type of inducement but it's you know the same kind of effect. So this has gone on. Profitstown um, actually bought a business and a furniture business and moved the whole business to Profitstown to an old car dealership, to owners and everything, and then operated that for a while. So there's a history of rural being creative to do these kinds of activities to bring people in. I, I was talking with uh, uh, Alexander Banachek uh, yesterday in Mattoon. And right. he had to correct me on pronouncing that town's name because yeah. I've always heard it for Mattoon, you know. But he said, "No, I've I, I've I've learned it myself." But that that was interesting to me because I thought, and and what do you guys think about this? And I know we've brought this up before, and I know your conference has probably addressed this before. But you don't have to go it alone, right? Because if you're in one community, maybe the one next door to you can benefit from the same pitch that you're saying you know you got a nice woods area you've got a river whatever it is um how do you get that going how do you how do you because i know there's a lot of uh, you know bureaucracy or personal thing where you know we don't want to go over there and, and share with them they're the, the you know they're the basketball rivals or something uh how do you how do you counter that well it's tough no question about it and you know silly as it seems it's very true yeah. And I don't know um, if it's gotten worse or less, but uh, over the years, but clearly they have to they have to think regionally, because if you look at if you look at an individual community, there's a whole lot of things you don't have, but if you look at a a circle of 15 miles, then you have probably most of the things that a person would want, you know, whether it's shopping or other kinds of things. So that's the concept that that really has to to be adopted and um, but i don't know that there's a quick way to make that happen <laughs> i was going to say it just makes so much sense but that you know then again when it comes to to push comes to shove it's it's shoved aside sometimes what uh, what do you think gives you the most hope you guys have been in the rural affairs game if i can say that for quite a number of years what is it is this the fact that the the game seems to be changing now and opportunity is knocking or is it technology advancing or what do you what do you guys think well, i don't know i'll just take a start but chris can can certainly jump in here um i think there's a couple of factors i think there's a, a feeling uh as we're seeing from the the pew foundation surveys and others there's just a feeling that people particularly the younger uh, people as they're starting families 
they're willing now with their kids to move out of the downtown center. There are still a group of people that want to be downtown and, and, you know, God love them and all that. But there's, um, but there's a group of people, I think that, that want to, to get farther out, less density, lower, cheaper housing. Housing is a significant factor as far as cost and uh, kids who have graduated, kids, people who've graduated from college are in debt uh, for college you know, they've, they've had, in many cases, they've been living at home for a while. I think that whole idea of let's spend more time in, re in recreation, let's have a better quality of life. We want good education for our kids. We don't want to have somebody get shot on the way, you know, go to, way to the grocery store. I mean, all these kinds of things that really are kind of surfacing in the more dense areas. And I think that is causing people to want to look at new opportunities. And and now, like I say, the distance is not so much a factor. If I don't have to drive 30 miles a day every day to work, I only have to do it one day a week. I mean, that makes it a different ballgame. Plus, I get a, a, a more affordable housing if I can and a quality of life. I can get involved in my community. To me, these are the kind of things that are kind of coming about. And technology is one of the factors that's accommodating that. And the health care and other things. But Chris, you, you can speak to this as well. Yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good question. What gives us optimism? I, I guess, um, and um, we started doing um, sort of strategic visioning, and this was what Norm started when he first founded the Institute for Rural Affairs. But what, this was the idea um, that if you can create a context for community planning where the, where the local uh, residents have real input into the planning process, it's really and I'm still amazed at this, at how much can actually happen. So I'm, I'm optimistic that if you uh, can convince uh, local places uh, to proactively think about their future, come together to think about their future, really great things can happen, whether it's a, a cooperative or community-owned grocery store, whether it's increasing access to broadband, you know, filling up empty storefronts in their downtown through entrepreneurship. Um, I guess it's just, uh, we we underestimate the capacity of rural communities uh, to make a positive change, and it's just a question I think of of you know convincing communities to go through this kind of a process. And um, yeah, so um, I'm optimistic, and I'm always heartened when I when I hear about a community, regardless of who has helped them make a plan. Uh, when a community makes a plan. You know, it strengthens relationships in that community, and then they've got actionable projects, right? And and uh, the quality of life improves. Yeah, I'm not peddling books, but this was a book as I edited last year. It's community-owned businesses, international entrepreneurship, finance, and economic development. And it really it talks. Of, I think there's eight countries that have contributed. People in eight countries contributed chapters, but it's really all about how do you start uh, a business locally or like start a grocery store or take over a business or transition a business, something like this. And I think this is part of, of this whole, if there's an opportunity, people are now willing to step forward and invest their funds into a local project. And I think that's um, that's something that's really of use. And I, you, you're probably aware, Steve, maybe this would trigger the call, but you know we're doing this series with rural partners and Illinois Farm Bureau and, and right. uh, Institute for Rural Affairs and others. And that's really about 
you know, changing the narrative, changing the idea of rural is not dead, rural has opportunities. And then how do you get to an action plan? And just, uh, first, we've done two webinars. The third one now is going to be focusing more on housing. The idea being that if people want to move to your communities, do you really have any housing? Mm -hmm. And the answer often is relatively no. Mm -hmm. Partly because two people lived in a house, one died, so the population went down, but the other person stayed in the house. And mainly because they didn't have some other type of suitable housing arrangement. But if they did and freed up that housing, we probably could bring in more um, of younger people and families and so forth. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a good point, Norm, because, you know, as you said, from the onset, when population was declining, you wouldn't have had a lot of building going on uh, in, in the, in many of these places because simply there wasn't the need for it, but uh, that may be changing. So uh, we're, we're looking at that. One, one last thing, this just sort of came to me while you guys were talking and I don't know where this ranks on, on the issue uh, list, but transportation, I'm thinking, you know, without, we know about the high price of gas. We know that, uh, you know, to, you might move to a rural area to avoid a commute, a lengthy commute if you're coming out of a big city. Um, are there issues there with transportation? I'm thinking of older people, folks that are disabled, um, just getting around where, where you might need to go 10 miles. You might need to go, you know, that extra mile, let's just say. What do you think about that? Chris probably should speak to that because uh, they have their rural transit center. Right. Um, well, thanks, Norm. Uh, so uh, I think people have recognized for a long time that uh, rural does not have the same transportation and especially transit infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, mobility uh, that people take for granted in Chicago or even Peoria doesn't, doesn't exist in the same way as it does in rural areas. And so, uh, there is federal and state funding for uh, demand response, right? Instead of a fixed route, the bus comes by every 20 minutes. Right. Uh, you've flown today for a ride tomorrow. Uh, and that's a, and that at a minimum, you know, rural communities at a minimum need to have that. And, right. and you were talking earlier about regionalism. Uh, you know, this kind of transportation, rural planning is a regional, you know, in, in many instances, a multi-county uh, endeavor. And this is really important if we want our seniors and low-income people to remain comfortable uh, in rural areas, aging in place uh, at a certain point. Maybe uh, seniors don't want to drive at night or in the bad weather or can't drive at all, but they they still love their community. They love their neighborhood. This kind of transit is imperative. Right. Uh, and it's just an, and so it's another piece of that essential infrastructure for rural areas, whether it's broadband, access to health care. And community development is, you know, community is based on interactions with people. And so that's why transit is so important. We want to sustain uh, social capital and the capacity of people to interact with one another. You know, building on that, think think ahead for a few years. Right. Let's let's talk about artificial intelligence. Let's talk about the fact that you're an older person in a smaller community and you want to go somewhere and you call up your car. It shows up, it takes you to where you want to go, and it brings you home. I mean, this could be the next step, if it materializes, could be the next step as to what telecommunications, like we're doing now, was. Yeah, that's a great point. And, well, you know, I can just see that being a 
a conference presentation in 2044 or whatever it is. We don't know the year yet, but uh, that's something we can look forward to. Well, Norm Walzer and Chris Merritt, we thank you so much. The, the, the two gentlemen represent the, well, the Illinois Institute for Rural Affairs, but the new book is Rural Areas in Transition. And uh, it sounds like a great handbook for, you know, maybe the remaking of America, if we want to be grandiose about it. But let's uh, let's take it one step at a time anyway. But guys, I thank you so much for your time. And uh, I know I want to get back to both of you probably pretty soon. So stand by if you would. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye-bye.